0: Welcome to Ponderings from the Perch, the Little Bird Marketing Company podcast. In this special episode, we're excited to share with you an
1: exclusive recording from the recent Insights Marketing Day in Chicago. Listen in to a lively Q&A panel on all things marketing, from SEO to podcasting, LinkedIn tips, and more. Join Priscilla McKinney, CEO and Mama Bird of Little Bird Marketing, Jamin Brazil, podcast host of Happy Market Research and chairman of Hub UX. Andy Cristadina, co-founder and strategic director at Orbit Media Studios, and Emily Sikorsi, CEO and co-founder of Root & River. Enjoy. So as a podcaster, I do have one question, so sorry, this is a little bit self-serving. Is is there an impact on hosting the podcast episodes themselves uh, as well as a difference between, on on a website, as well as a difference between um, having abbreviated show notes versus the transcripts?
0: Done all different ways. For the sake of sharing, if there's no URL for the for the episode, then it's going to be really hard for someone who wants to promote it for you, an advocate for it, a fan, or the or the guest or whatever, uh, to get it out there. So I, I really like when the podcast when each podcast episode has its own URL. Uh, whether or not to put the entire transcript on that is a, is a, mostly a separate issue. Transcripts are often really hard to read. It takes a lot of work to take a transcription and, for- and format it using those digital content best practices I mentioned, such as short like you know, subheaders and, and uh, short paragraphs. Uh, it doesn't, in ha- uh, the transcript itself, may not be that keyword focused anyway, so I don't know that the transcript has that much of an impact on, on search. But uh, yeah, for, especially for sharing, for social media, for website navigation, I think that it's really helpful to have a, a page for each podcast and simply to embed the player for that single episode there. I've seen it done all different ways, but I think that one would be the one that makes it easier to measure results which is really the, the big challenge in podcasts. Podcasts is like this really low information channel. You get so little information, it's very frustrating, I think, for, for measurement marketers. But uh, it's, it's definitely um, helpful to have a URL for each episode.
1: Emily. yes. Yeah.
0: Uh, sorry, audience, do you have any
1: questions before I just interview everybody? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm from My question
2: is about Google Apps. Um, we've really struggled
3: Okay, I'm gonna ask you a follow-up question because it'll help Andy and I who deal with this probably the most out of anybody. And because I do know Innovate, I think this will help clarify it for Andy. So when you're doing the B2B Google um, ads, are you doing that specifically to uh, increase your panel and get respondents to, in, like are you trying to grow your database, so like tip your Joe Schmo consumer, or are you trying to use the ads in order to get ahead of insights or re- reach a high level B2B person? That corporate. So we, okay. that's part of the-
2: not have Joe Schmo come in and say, I'd like to tell you my opinion on this. Okay, so know,
3: it's, it's not ads. about ads, it's really about the SEO yeah. in order to get the, the corporate consumer, the, the high level consumer insights buyer to come to your website and see your products. For a paid okay. Do you want to take that first, Andy?
0: So the problem is that there's noise in there because people who are not potential leads, they're just they're just panel people are in that, yeah. in that mix.
3: Or, or it's just kind of garbage
0: well, I've seen pages that do a good job of trying to help people get out of the funnel because really disqualified people don't want to be in your funnel anyway, so it's just, it's helpful to them too. To to make like a page block or to show side by side like this is good for you if this is not good for you if to just put criteria on the page to tell people like you know this is not right for you if you meet some of these criteria. You could also make a question in the form itself you know, check this box if you like to take surveys, and then that will help you exclude them in the database, or you could route them differently, or capture them in another area, in another, you know, part of the site. But uh, ideally, the ad itself, it still costs you money because they're clicking on an ad. So I told you ways to reduce noise and clean up the pipeline after they click, so it's a bummer because they already spent your money. So ideally, the ad itself is somehow segmenting out those people And to do that, you could, uh, in analytics, check to see the performance of that page from that traffic source for different campaign groups. Just keep using data, keep iterating, and experiment with different words, uh, different phrases, different content on the landing page to see if you can keep uh, getting better and better uh, refinement on that and reduction of the noise. But that's hard.
3: I'd iterate, you know, reiterate something that you said earlier, Emily, and you just harped on a little bit too. This idea of repelling people, right. um, you know, but then it also makes me think kind of taking a step back and saying, well, why Google Ads? Because if that's not being effective, because when I think about who your target is, that really is, the bigger question to me is where are their eyeballs? And so if Google is something that's not working for you and going through it more seriously and looking at data is not helping then what I would do is I would look at a wider picture and whether that is a different platform, whether LinkedIn is a better option for that, Mm. and or whether there could be an interesting collaborative partnership where someone else who already has these people Um, could work together with you. I'm always looking for the win-win. In fact, I'm usually, you know me, I'm looking for the win-win-win-win-win. Do we have six people who have the same problem? Can we all get in the same room? And so finding out who also is having that problem could be helpful for you. Um, And if you kind of take a look at it, an approach from that, you think about the assets we have, whether it's SMR, whether it's uh, Insights Association, my question is always, where are the eyeballs, uh, organically, Mm -hmm. of the people you're trying to get? So if Google is not their primary place that they're going to look for that information when they are looking for that high-level service, which is what you all provide, pretty high-level type of thing, I don't think that that's usually a Google. Google is usually more of a ubiquitous, like, I'm looking for a minivan. (laughs) You know, but if you're Michelle Gansley and you're a brand manager for, you know, McDonald's, I don't think she's going to Google to look about and type in innovative approaches to brand trackers post COVID. She's not, that's not what she's doing. She's going to her network and she's trying to find it there. And so that the answer may be that even with data and data and data, you maybe Google's not the right place for that high level buyer.
2: I would just jump on that the time to your point earlier, the time that you spend cleaning out the database and making sure like that all the junk is gone, you might spend creating a piece of content that 's really aimed at your ideal audience, um, and we define ideal audience not as the people you 're looking for but the people who are looking for you so something's already happened in their world also mm-hmm. to your point where they're like, oh, we need this specific thing or The last time I I worked with this firm, I didn't like the experience, right? So something's already broken in their world. So spending some time getting to maybe understand what that is for your ideal audience and really going deep from a psychographic standpoint on who your audience is. Um, I'm not a big fan of like the avatars and it just depersonalizes, dehumanizes. You're looking for a few good humans really. Um, And so trying to dive deep into who they are and then create content might be a much richer investment of your time and energy
3: okay that backing the two of you up in that and i think jamin and i talk about that a lot um but for example i think uh, tons of people in this room would say one of the things that would be great content there is why covid broke your brand tracker like wouldn't you read that michelle gansley would read that you know it's like why uh, can, can we even trust our brand tracker anymore you know is did did COVID wreck you know do, do we have no data <laughs> you know, so I think it is about getting deeper into what what's really happening in those people's world before they come to you. Why are they coming to you? Yeah.
1: All right. So um, everyone, right now, just take a second and ask yourself a question: What is the biggest problem you have in marketing today? And write that down. What is the biggest problem? Assuming you have one, we know what Molly's is. Maybe <laughs> that that you have today, and then write that down. And as you're writing it down, if you already know the answer to the question, ask yourself, have you been able to answer that question with the content that you've been provided today? And if the answer is no, raise your hand. (laughs) Yes. So we
2: have talked about a lot of different tools to support marketing, right? Like social media, the podcast, the website. We're in the process of looking to refresh our website. And I think one of the questions that we have is what is the role that the website is meant to do versus the social, which I think is what really supports us most today. We haven't gotten to a podcast, so that's something we're considering. But like in in this environment, what is the role
1: of of the website? Mm, that's an awesome question. Mm-hmm.
0: Well the website is your is be, you, typically the center of all of your digital marketing efforts, because it's the, it's the platform that you control and that you own. You don't own your Google rankings, you don't own your social followers, you own your website, your content, your domain, and your email list. So when you publish on the website, it gives you a chance to, it gives you something to share on social. When you publish on the website, it gives you something to send via email. Publish on the website, you, get a chance, you can target a key phrase that, that you could be discovered for that. So without the website, you don't really have a platform for content marketing, therefore you have a giant disadvantage in search and social and email. Plus the website is, a, is the place where you build this giant engine of trust by, by collecting all that all that good feedback and making it social proof on your pages. You know, it's the, any effort, recruiting. That's the page where you put the video that shows you know, your happiest team members, how much they love working there. It's basically like, it's the it's the center, it's the middle of the city, it's the, it's the real estate, it's the place that you control from which you can uh, make every other effort more impactful. Landing pages from PPC or uh, you know, your nonprofit donation, whatever thing that you made. Uh, because anything that happens that's not on the website, you basically have extremely, just a giant disadvantage of visibility. You have no analytics on any, on any other platform except your own site. So it's the place where you can keep getting smarter.
2: I like to think of it as like the mothership. Like um, you know, if the internet or or knowledge is an ocean, body of water, you you got to have a ship, right? And you can throw out lines, you do all the things you just spoke about, but it has to come back to the place where this is where you own it all. Mm -hmm. And so without that, it's just you're just debris floating (laughs) in the ocean. Mm -hmm. Um, And um, I think. One of the things I like to frame up websites is like, what do you want people to do, right? Focusing around one idea um, that the website really conveys that. And, and it's a great place, as you said, to, to let the brand speak for itself and let the voice of the brand really carry and you have complete control over it there. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's so essential. The other thing is, um, as you, I think you mentioned, right? The first thing people are going to do, they're going to visit your website. They hear about you. All, everyone here, they'll probably track back to your website at some point. And that is the moment when you get to pass or fail the brand test. <laughs> and if your message, that you, the way you came across, is incongruent with what's on the website, now you've failed the brand test. And the people who are trying to avoid salespeople are going to wash out right there. And all of that happens usually without our knowledge, right? The majority of that happens without our knowledge. So the site is the way to pass the brand test and keep that conversation going.
3: Yeah, yeah, I'd totally talk about that in terms of like bait and switch mm-hmm. all, all the time. Like, is this really representative of you? Uh, the other thing is, I think one thing that's different, um, and maybe not for Well, I think, Emily, I I could be wrong, but I think um, the three of us see also web a little bit different. I usually uh, look at the FTE like, is is my website driving um, the same amount of sales as one full-time equivalent employee? That's for the size that I'm at. I'm at 15 employees, and so to me, that's a little bit of my, my judgment. It should be bringing in one of about 10 to 12. Like, so... So, as we grow, then I would expect that that I should be seeing the revenue through my funnels, the content, the, you know, I have Shopify stuff right there, (laughs) like, you know, you want to book an appointment with me, you want to book this here, you know, um, you you can pay for it and do everything. So, I'm looking at my website as a worker, you know, what kind of revenue is my website generating for me, you know, and that's not going to be right for everybody, everybody has a different... Uh, way of looking up at that, but I, I will just point one thing out if you would like to know what Andy's job is Speaking at these events is Andy's job <laughs> and He also writes mm-hmm. content writes content, but right? that's all he does right and it's like the most authoritative content in the industry So he doesn't have to spend any money on advertising because that is His content is his whole address. So I look at that and say how hard does your website work? Well pretty damn hard because about six million dollars worth you know, so yeah, do you go out there and you, you know, you, you know, uh, speak about your wares? Yeah, but is that same exact information given away for free on your website? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep.
2: Yep. So, oh, great. great.
3: Yeah. Um, we have a lot of conversations around, not just about time, but patience. But I think we have a lot of conversations around really reduced details around time. So, you know, how long people we can get our page, and those kinds of metrics. We don't necessarily have. How often do we need to change our messaging? When is our messaging not working officially? Uh, When is certain SEO efforts not working? So what kind of timeline should we be looking at for not the cadence of our social conversation, but the big picture, is this
2: working? Um, For the messaging for the brand, I like the overall message, we like to see that in place for three years. Now you can do campaigns underneath that, but at least three years until it feels like there's been a shift in the character of the organization and it's no longer reflecting you know, exactly where you are from a philosophical standpoint. But it's so important to let that big idea and that perspective bake and create. If you have a rich enough message, you can create a shit ton of content around that for a very long time that is very high value. So our current message is, I think five years, because we did the deep work to make sure that was really at the heart of who we were. But campaigns and things like that, underneath that, you know, you want to freshen those up. You want to look at your calendar. I think you said six months, you know, you look at those themes. you may mm-hmm. want to pull out certain certain things that you and reassess regularly. I think the world is changing way too rapidly to get locked in into um, those kind of things too tightly. But I think the pro- one of the problems with marketing and marketers is that, there's this. Oh, we need a new message. We need a new message this year. And I, no, like, do deeper work, and create a message that is going to have more longevity, more of a long
3: tail. Yes. a question about LinkedIn posts, quantity over. I don't know. So,
2: like, one thing I.
3: Can I take that? That's like my whole world right there. <laughs> and my world in a nutshell. Um, so, can you compete against yourself on LinkedIn? Yes. Um, if you're gonna post something, um, should you post it if you don't have time to nurture it? No. Um, so, let me kind of start there. In general, I could give you just a general rule of thumb, don't post more than one time on LinkedIn, and so if you have an article and then you wanna actually do a post, an article's a lot harder to get people to go through and look because um, the way that LinkedIn uh, pushes that, they have to actually go to the article page, not that they viewed the post that you have an article, they have to actually click over into a LinkedIn article and read it, in order to count that as traction, right? And so if, if engagement is the name of the game, that's gonna be harder to do with an article. So you're gonna to need to work a little bit harder on an article to get that seen. But you don't wanna put an article and then that day do a post and like now you're just competing against yourself, right? So um, the other thing is, is that for, th- this is always changing, like I mentioned, you know, uh, today about like knowing the algorithms, they're in control. Well, there was a time when there was the what they would kind of refer to as the golden hour in LinkedIn. If you got a lot of good engagement within the first hour, then like your post would take off. And if you didn't get it within the first hour, it probably would be buried in obscurity forever. Well, during COVID, that went away for about six months. I don't know why, but it's back. And so my, my general rule would say if you are going to make a post, if you're going to even bother... Um, then you should have the time and then at the hour when you post it to nurture it that means tagging someone else or starting a conversation or sharing it somewhere else like you have to be doing something else with it Um, and if it gets no traction then don't write about that again because nobody cares Mm -hmm. right so we have to think about that a little bit too what can we learn Um, but then you are uh, okay let me make sure I answered the whole question Mm No, if you like or comment on theirs, it only impacts their content. It won't, there, there's no um, Google juice that comes back from the links. Like, that's what I call it, Andy. <laughs> there's, there, there's nothing else like that. Um, if you get comments on your post, it affects your post. If you go, I, I Jamin put something out. And I started a conversation and you know, tagged a bunch of people and brought people there. That's because I love Jamin. So I'm going to make sure that his post really goes well. Is it going to benefit me at all? No. I mean, Jamin will probably buy me lunch. But other than that, it, it's never going to affect my, my stuff. So you really do have to be mindful of your like, what you're doing and what you're posting and if you're nurturing it. And then that means also then you need to be watching that notifications button during the day and taking care of something if it's important to you. If it's not and you're just broadcasting, then I would say, well, then come to terms with the fact that you're broadcasting, but then I would say, why are you doing it? I mean. Really quick before everyone else weighs in.
1: Show of hands, how many have a question? I need this information so that I can, so only one other person or two, three? Okay, so we have three, just in context
3: of time. Yeah, All right. that's all I'd say, so if you, yeah. That's a nutshell.
0: Here's a trick that sometimes works for me. If you're going to publish an article that that answers a question, if you go to LinkedIn and just post the question first, like a few days before, and see who engages with that, and then make a note of them, and then when you publish the piece and make the post that promotes it, you can tag the people who interacted with your previous post. So they're going to see a notification, which can trigger some quick interactions. Also, if you click the three I'm sorry, dots, sorry,
3: but you should get a hug for that one. That, that was, was so good. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it works. It's social.
0: It's it's not broadcast, right? Because you're starting yeah. you're starting right. a conversation. That's so smart. And so, it, it, it's like priming the pump. Another thing that you can do is actually while you write the article, it's a rule of mine. I will never write an article that doesn't have at least one contributor quote. Journalists don't write articles without sources. Why do content marketers keep writing articles without contributor quotes? you miss a networking opportunity, you, you, you miss an opportunity to improve the quality of the content, and you're failing to add ego bait, right? <laughs> if, people, if you include people in the content, they're very likely to go share it. But also, if you've got two or three contributors in the piece, when you do share on LinkedIn, you can tag them too. So it's just really hard to get traction on something unless you have excuses and reasons to mention others. It notifies them. They're likely to engage. Also, just click to find the link to the post and put it on a Slack group or an in intranet, or to share it with the person next to you, so that they go quickly engage with it. Traction on LinkedIn isn't really about yeah. how often you post; it's about whether the algorithm decided they like it and show it to an exponentially greater number of people, and that's from uh, engagement.
3: Yeah.
1: Some context, really quick. The uh, I on my posts, I will usually almost always get a minimum of 700 to. Fifteen hundred views. So it's kind of like no matter when I do it, but when I try and do these things, I'll get seven thousand to ten thousand um, from a response. And the actual amount of time associated with it is probably in real life is probably thirty minutes. In my head, it feels like I got to carry a boulder up a mountain, but it's just it's just not too material. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, anyway, so yeah. Yeah, I was just
3: going to since we're talking about LinkedIn um, as a follow-up that.
0: Isn't it true at this point because LinkedIn? more or less penalized you for taking people off the site. For, you know, in other words, if you included a link to your blog or an article or anything that's off of LinkedIn, mm-hmm. you're going to get less viewers. So what I start to do, I don't know, Priscilla, if this is
3: something that- I know uh, exactly what you're going to say. Exactly. See link in first comment? <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> OK. Actually, preview the content.
0: Mm-hmm. It's cheesy, I admit. but around
3: LinkedIn ruling? It technically, would the algorithm you know, produce something lower? Yes, but the engagement stats are, will so override that that it will not matter if there's a link in it. If people on LinkedIn find that to be meaningful and engage with it, LinkedIn won't care that you're moving them off somewhere else. No. On the other hand, if every post of yours goes, blah, 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 link somewhere else. Blah, 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 link somewhere else. Blah, 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 else. blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Then the algorithm is going to start shutting you down because that's all you do. So it's about um, it's about nurturing your post more, and it's about not doing the same thing every time. Um, and you know, I do think the the you know putting the 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 link in the first comment is fine. It's a good you know can be a good practice. But I think what would be more to like Andy's point would be it would be better instead. If you want to put the link in the comments, that's fine, but also you should be the first person commenting on yours to basically prime the pump, say, yeah, and you know what, Jamie, this was what we were talking about. Hey, I put this out the other day, and you mentioned that you thought this was going to be interesting, or I heard Emily say this like four days ago, and that's why I'm saying this, it's just, like so genius. You know, So me being the first person to comment on my own post is is one thing that I do to kind of, I hold back the one small piece of information that I could have put in the post and I put later and then nobody asked this but I'm just going to tell you right now please don't like tag 80 people on your po- yeah, I mean come on they're going to That's wonder why so they were sad. tagged it's
0: not that doesn't make it's, any sense if you weren't tagging them for a reason it's just someone
3: you know. will see me post and like tag five people so they go oh five that sounds great let's do 50 and then I see it on the post and I mean it is. Nobody likes the person Nobody at the cocktail party or the person. networking that just
2: goes around. <laughs> yeah. Nobody likes the person that hands out their business cards at the funeral. Okay, so that's yeah. sort of similar, <laughs> right?
3: There's my bold
0: quote. <laughs> it reminds me of like Ding Dong it's Ditch. True. Like when you were in grade school, did you run up to the door and like ring the doorbell and then just run kidding. away? <laughs> that's what tagging random people is like. They, they're going to see the notification, they're going to wonder why they were tagged on it. And that's mm-hmm. you know, yeah, like a, drive, it's like a drive-by.
3: Tacey put it in of have your friendlies. If it's somebody that you know and, and they, they love and trust you, yeah, of course you can, because they know what you're doing.
0: No, you could They're do, if, if you post it on Twitter first and someone shares it, and then you, when you post it two days later on LinkedIn, in a comment you thank them for sharing it, like crossing the streams, because you know they read it, you know they liked it, you can actually give gratitude on a different platform to try to amplify, get them to jump over to the other network. Crossing the streams, I used to call it,
3: sometimes works. But at least we have a reason to tag them. It's not irrelevant. Andy should get another hug for that one. (laughs) Are you conducting global research or marketing your brand to a multilingual audience? Reach out to Multilingual Connections at multilingualconnections.com for translation, transcription, voiceover, and subtitling services in over 75 languages. Linguistic accuracy meets cultural nuance, meets friendly and responsive service. Request a quote and mention Little Bird Marketing to get $100 off your first project. Multilingualconnections.com.
1: All right. Um, yes. Yeah, so my question
0: is coming up with company, you're not necessarily your struggle so you a lot with
2: how many URLs
0: And and for me, especially being new to the company, I struggle with coming up with things to say that are adjacent to but different from what my company said. Does
2: that make sense? Yeah. Um, so, any tips on how to come up with your own? Yeah, so um, I struggled with that for a while too, like because Justin and I, my business partner, we write together. And, you know, so I was like, well, what do I write about separate from that? And then I just began this practice of every week just, I would kind of go back through the week prior and think about what people had asked me or think about questions or think about something that came up in my work that was kind of interesting to me. Um, and you know, maybe that would be something that he and I would write about, but then I got kind of like, I was like, no, I'm just gonna think about myself for a minute and not just <laughs> give everything away. Um, so I just, I try to keep notes throughout the week on those things and that's what I write about. And they're usually relevant to brand um, but sometimes they're more like leadership or sometimes they're like women, um, women in, in leadership. Um, but they're, they're just, I just kind of keep that running topic of things that are more interesting specifically to me and that's what I write about. And I write more you know, pro- from a professional angle on uh, LinkedIn and then I have my own website and if it's more personal I'll put it there. Um, so that's just something I do. And
1: then, and then I would say, this is specific to writing on LinkedIn or is it blog posts or both or something else? Okay, so, I mean, one of the things that I have found a lot of traction, first of all, nobody cares what I say. They only (laughs) care about what they have to say. And so, that's like my fundamental premise on LinkedIn. And so, I get a lot of traction when I reference, when I write a post based on what somebody else has said that I found truly valuable and think that my point of view is useful to then transfer to my audience. And then what I find, you know, that gives me the, the thought fodder Right to be able to and my and I honestly like I find with LinkedIn I don't know about you guys but like this much is too much the one that Priscilla posted that got amplified because Priscilla really intentionally engaged in in that particular post normally this much content on LinkedIn is too much like I I find I get a lot more interaction if it's like if you know the first two sentences or first two visible lines are really really important so like a reference point etc and then and then like underneath but that's my analytics.
3: I also would say, mm-hmm. Carlos, you know, if they're following you on LinkedIn, they're following you. They're not following the brand. So they want to hear from you. Yeah. And while you might tee up something from uh, about the brand. But if they wanted to follow the brand, they would have followed the brand. So I don't think you need to be shy about, like, really talking about things that, who you are as a professional that aren't that aren't necessarily about the brand. I, and then we have a couple of, you know, rules of thumb, like the 411, right? Four things, you know, that are show that you're interested in them right, one thing that, you know, where, I'm sorry, I have it back, Uh, (laughs) my rule of 15. Um, My rule of 15 is right, do 10 things that show that you're um, interesting like what stuff like that you're just sharing right and then four things that you're interested so this is helpful here's 27 things that you could do here or this is why brands matter or what you know you you show that you care about their problems and then i think you get one that you can just do whatever the fuck you want to do because you just paid it forward you just did 14 posts that were all about them and showing that you were care and
2: i say Couple more things on this. Please. Yeah. So I think the deeper issue—I don't know if this is true for you, but it was true for me—is that when I started doing brand work, I had to set aside the idea that what I had to say was not important. Hmm. Right. We had to set aside <laughs> the idea that like who who like who wants to hear from me? You know? mm-hmm. I, I was a journalist for eight and a half years. I was telling other people's stories. I was really comfortable there. Very uncomfortable mm-hmm. telling from my own perspective. So that kind of is the deeper work that needs to be done. Um, and just to build off uh, on a whole different, like more tactical level, to build off what you were saying is you can also look at, like when the Wonder Woman movie first came out, I wrote a post about women in leadership and I used you know, one of um, the images from the, the movie as, the, as the, um, the image at the top and that did really well. So you can also kind of do a little bit of, of what we call brand jacking, right? So commenting on something that is very relevant in that moment, um, you know, so hmm. just yeah,
1: to so just Exactly right. Mm-hmm.
3: No, okay, Andy, Andy's the king of overtly helpful.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, any other questions? I think I saw somebody's hand up over here, yeah.
2: those connections and someone comes to me and says, Hey, I saw you know this person. What about them? I think they're they're applying for my job, and I don't wanna be like, I don't know. <laughs> so how do you guys like what tips do you guys have for adding people but then making sure you still you actually get to know them so they are just being like, Hi, I wanna to talk to you
0: and then, then go I thought this question I, I, I wanna jump in. <laughs> okay. So my rule for uh so I meet a lot of people who are like um is very reserved on LinkedIn and they don't connect they don't accept the connection from anyone who they haven't had dinner with and they like maybe they're like an ex like they dated in the past and they work together like another blood type like that, I think that's crazy why if LinkedIn is a content platform which is everything we've been saying then why wouldn't you want a larger a larger following there the same way I mean you don't turn down Twitter followers LinkedIn is also a content promotion platform So my rule is I will accept any invite from anybody who's in marketing anywhere in the world or anybody who's in my city in any industry at all. And the size of my LinkedIn network is very large and I'm very happy about that. Maybe once a month I get a a message from a friend who says I see you're connected to so-and-so. I'm looking for a job there. Would you help me with an introduction? And I send the same response. I have lots of connections that I don't actually have close relationships with, but if you'd like to share a message I'd be happy to send it along. So they write a short message, I, I tell the person, hey, someone, I, one of my connections wants to connect with you. They can delete it if they want, no one has high expectations for a, you know, a really warm introduction and they were just kind of sending me a quick message, I'm gonna forward that along if they want. I'm helpful to everyone, people who don't wanna engage in that way don't have to. But yeah, my advice is to actually be a little more promiscuous, is that the word? Just to connect with more people on LinkedIn, I don't know why not, I don't know why not. I think it's. I mean, if you're going to use it to promote content or build a brand, you want a larger, you want greater visibility.
3: I have a rule that's called Wayne Y, and it's from a guy named Wayne, and his last name was just Y, Um, and he tried to connect with me over and over and over again, and his descriptor was that he was a um, long-distance trucker. A tra- uh, like a tracker, like a hunting tracker, right, <laughs> like, uh, and um, an uh, amateur photographer. And there was one other thing. And all of them added up to, um, I will be dead by the end of the week. <laughs> right? And so my question is always, Wayne, why? Why would you want to connect with me? That is my only rule about saying no to someone. But other than that, if someone else connects with me, uh, why wouldn't I walk into a hotel room with 20,000 people ready to hear what I have to say? I would. I'd walk in if there were 20. Me, I'd probably walk in if there was one. But <laughs> I'm just saying, like, it is about like, yeah. the size of the audience. Why not? I do think what the problem is when people um, are disingenuous or when they don't tell the truth about it. So yeah. when I do connect with people, first of all, I don't connect with people unless I send a note. I do not press connect. Why, like, where, what, Wayne? Why, like, what? I, I don't need to work this hard for you. Like, if you're willing to work hard to get to me, then sure, I'm happy to. But I, even with someone, I'm like, I will just say, this seems a little awkward, but I would really like to connect with you because I like what you do here, here, and here. Can you know? Can we try and figure out if this is meaningful? That's it. I mean, so I always tell my team, if you feel it, say it. And they say, well, it feels awkward to connect with him. Okay, so that's how it starts. This feels awkward to write right? <laughs> there you right? go. And now, we're, now you know what we're doing? We're dealing in the truth. So
2: what about those times that you try to connect with someone
3: and it doesn't give you the option to send a message? Yeah, it on mobile. It if does, you, if you don't use those features. So you don't, you, you always go up and press their face, and it will always give you the option to send a note. There are, um, yes, even on mobile, which is different. That wasn't there before. Um, but you cannot go into that one where LinkedIn says you might like these people. Oh my God! Don't go there. This is LinkedIn wanting you to do their bidding, right? So it's like you like these people. Just click, click, click. That just sends a, a connection request. For, I'm like, if you can, if you are not willing to write to me why you want to connect with me, I don't see why this is my job.
2: Can I right? add one thing yes. to that? Just because it happens to me, it just happened to me a little bit ago. I'm like, dang it, I hit the. So like, once they accept the invitation, with if they do accept it, then I'll immediately send them a message and say, I literally hate connecting without a message, but my you know darn phone app. So there's you could always follow up with a message too. Hey,
1: Emily, did you have a point of view on this? This is probably our last question.
2: Um. I'm just getting a lot more spam via my LinkedIn. And it really irritates me being a person who's all about like, the human connection. And I actually sat through a presentation about, um, from a fellow entrepreneur who is, had built his business using fake accounts. And it just left mm-hmm. me in a really...
3: Well, people ask me why I have a period in the front of my name. And that's because oh. I don't connect with bots. Yeah. So, I, no, can tell, act- yeah, so. I can tell right there. If it says "Dear Dot Priscilla," well, I'm like, "Goodbye," yeah. because if you were writing to me, you would write "Priscilla," comma, you know. But if it's a bot sending a message, it leaves the period in at the front of my name on LinkedIn. I was so wondering about that. if you were wondering why I do that. i wondered that. <laughs> I still comes up just fine. So
1: I, I do want to mention that the, and I think this is like from my vantage point we really need to understand why people are on linkedin mm-hmm. if you're going to effectively communicate with them and and so you fundamentally understand that it is the number one marketers yeah the number one linkedin is the number one place to connect find <laughs> a job oh. like people it is the like there's not a bigger job network in the world than than linkedin and so like that is its place and it's like Function. Additionally, it's the place that people go to uh, build relationships for sales purposes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right? And so like, you've got a large part of that, that audience that exists there. And so the context is really important because mm-hmm. you are a, your success in, in life is really predicated by my, I mean this in terms of career success um, is really predicated on two things: your knowledge about what it is that you do, so your skill that you cultivate over time, and this and your network, the depth of your network, and 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 LinkedIn, and you hamstring yourself if you treat LinkedIn like you would a maybe your Instagram, right? So because it is completely it is completely different. Mm-hmm. So by having a broader audience, you have broader opportunity to be able to connect with, right? And then by leveraging other people's content and talking about it and helping promote it, you create a lot of friends. And friends are really helpful to your brand to help amplify it across their network. And so thinking about like podcasts, one of the great hacks, not hack, I mean, this is super well known, all of you know it, right? Is, you know, I'll do a post on every podcast that we do and the post will like break down the key points, and then it references that individual who prob- may or may not have followed me in the past that I've interviewed. Mm-hmm. They'll immediately be forced to follow me because they'll feel really bad if they don't, and then <laughs> they'll probably share and and, write and and help amplify and help amplify the message in their in their audience. And then the thing that really stood out to me with Andy that I'm going to experiment on and report back on is like right now we have the human transcripts on our on our. Um, on our pages. So I have like the episode player right at the top, and then I have all this effing text underneath. So we could actually spend probably as little as five hours to repurpose that whole, and it's a lot of text, right? I mean, you're talking about 30 minutes of conversation. We could turn that into a legitimate blog post, having a specific point of view, because every every topic, right, every interview has a point of view, right, from an SEO perspective. And then add some images, um, excerpts of the podcast, maybe even videos, and I mean, pretty easily turn it into a legitimate blog post, which is going to help a lot in terms of both the keywords and the bounce rate, or what is it called? The time uh, on page. Time on page. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, the time on page. So, like, I mean, there's a lot that oh, you. Oh, There's can...
0: something else I'd like to do if I were in your shoes. If you ask every guest the same question, then you can publish a post. Mm-hmm. Ten experts answer this one question. You know, oh gosh, it, it's like doing. the Freebie, content strategist. <laughs> It, 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 it's like a matrix. Yes. <laughs> the, the, the content strategist could think like this direction, like one person long form interview, and then think this direction. You know, all these people answer this one common question. Oh, so good. And then you can public, you can repurpose that same piece by just copying and pasting all their answers, and you know, just think of all the people you can tag on that poster. How many of you would buy an Andy pillow? <laughs>
3: right.
0: I mean, I would do that. Oh, Andy
1: pillow. He can do this
3: all day. Just like just so lay you know. down. <laughs>
1: Like all the ideas come right when I lay down my hand. (laughs) We push the push.
3: Yeah, hey, I just, just so we're clear, I didn't get that. (laughs) But I did have to get a picture of it with me today, so. I think we're at time. Oh, I like that. I think we are. Tasty, are we at time? If you want to, we have about 15
1: minutes. Oh, do we have more time? Or am I not done?
3: We, we could probably we like, done take done two more third. questions, then we're going to finish okay. up all of our prizes. Any other questions? Really quick, yes. Okay,
2: so different subject. Um, since sports is tomorrow, and I'm sure a lot of us are going, what are some of your best conference hacks or best tactics for kind of coming back from the
3: conference with some solid leads? Mm-hmm. I got lots of those. Oh, me too. It's hard for me not to go. OK, how much time do you have? You take it, Jamin. Yeah. OK, well, the,
1: the first thing I do is I always book, my, I book meetings, book meetings, book meetings. Because the worst thing you can do is walk into a room and not have direct connections. So um, by book a meeting, I mean that in a loose way. I make a connection with somebody on LinkedIn saying, I see that you're, are you going to Quirks? Like if there's something, you know what I mean? And then I will like, say it'd be great to just say hi during. So there's some friendly faces. Everybody walks into those events scared. Everybody's scared when you walk in, most people are scared. Kristen Luck's not scared, but everybody else is, and Priscilla, those are like the two people. But everybody else is scared when we walk into the room, right? And so having friends is really, really important. That's like the first thing. The second thing I would say is, have a question as fodder for conversation, right? Really important. Hey, uh, hi, I'm Jamin, you know, I am you know, XYZ. That, that really kind of like starts, but that's not the question. There needs to be a deep question that you have. Like, and it, and it needs to be about them. Something not intimate, but something that like why they're at the show. What are you expecting you to get out of the show? What are you looking forward to? And that just is going to give you a, an immediate way to be able to break the ice with that with whomever you're, talking mm-hmm.
3: to. Mm-hmm. Um, Don't forget to take a picture of all of these Twitter handles and everything. And My biggest thing is, and people track me down at these shows because we do the homework before. We look at who all the speakers are, and we know all the Twitter handles. We have connected with all of them before. We've mentioned, hey, I see you're speaking on this and this, and I'll be in there, I'll be listening. You, it, it's that, what did you call it, the ego factor or something like that uh, when you write it? something? Ego bait. Ego bait, is when you like include that. someone
0: in the thing hoping yeah. that they'll share it later.
3: Okay, well, I'm, yeah, so, I mean, I connect with every, I've already connected with every speaker that's gonna be at Quirks and then as people started registering, I connected with all the people who registered on the app that they have. And some of them will tell you that and some of them won't. And it, it is a pain in the ass to go and find people's Twitter handles and create a spreadsheet, but guess what, we have one for every show we've ever been to. And so, you know, having that, the other thing I would say is that I go down to the booths and I'll ask people, so, um, who, you know, who's the most ideal person you could, would like to work with who's coming to Quirks? Huh? They don't, they don't even have a wish list. They don't have someone in mind. They weren't there. I literally, what would be the harm of printing out... A LinkedIn page of 20 faces with the name of 20 people that you want to meet at Quirks. And guess what? So I walk up to Emily and she's on my list. I don't care if she sees it. Oh my gosh, Emily, look, you're on my list. I, I want to talk with you. That's how important you are. Yeah. Like, now she's like, I'm attracted. Man, I am important. When, so don't, why do I? It's not even why? secret. It's kind of like what you know you were saying, Jamin, is like we gotta get over it. Like, what is LinkedIn? We're attempting to connect professionally mm-hmm. so why are we embarrassed about it okay. i came to this conference paid a lot of money to connect with people professionally why am i going to go hide it hi what are you doing here and <laughs> you know, then i know what we're all doing here i'm trying to do business aren't you you know and so how can i help you and i you know it, it again it's like kind of selling you know, through your network, not to it. And so I might be like, Brian, hey, who are you looking for? Let me tell you who I'm looking for. We could both go after and find that person. So that when Brian goes and finds my unicorn, he brings my unicorn right over to me. and goes, look at this unicorn. So this is the unicorn you were looking for. But if I can't even articulate why I came to the show and who I hope to, to run into, then what am I doing there?
2: I got two tips for you that have changed, changed it for me. Because I found, just like you know, it's intimidating. It's scary. Number one is just follow the energy. Like I used to be like, okay, i got to talk to oh, 10 people. Now I'm like, hmm, who do I feel drawn to? Who do I want to have a conversation with? Who do I? What did they say that was sort of interesting? And I'm the one that's like, oh, what podcast are you listening to lately? Like unrelated, right? Because it's interesting. So follow the energy, number one. And then number two, book time on Monday or Tuesday. Whenever you get back, block it out on your schedule to follow up meaningfully with the people you had connections with. Um, take, I try to take some notes of things that people said and like that were interesting to me. I'm not trying to be weird about it, but just following up on that. And, um, and then if I can calendar like, oh, make sure to follow up with that person in a month. They said they were going to their daughter's wedding or I don't know, stuff like that, that is human stuff.
3: Mm. can be helpful.
0: I've got a couple of tips. Uh, if you watch the hashtag and you see people that are definitely going and if they look interesting. Most people don't have like breakfast plans at an event, but a lot of them are coming into town and they're just gonna eat alone. So if you just reach out to like five or eight people and say, hey, I'm in, you know, I found a place to eat, do you wanna join me? You know, I've got my company Amex, pick up the tab and just, like, just meet people for breakfast. After the breakfast, take a big group selfie, post that back on social media and tag everybody. Next time people are gonna like, reach out to you, hey, you're doing another breakfast? I'd like to be part of the thing that you started. Pretty soon, you're like adding value to the event, and everyone's excited to be part of this thing that you make.
3: And then there's a Andy pillow, and you're like.
0: <laughs> well, I, I, I group selfies, though. And, that, and I did one yesterday. So I was at Content Marketing World yesterday just for one day. I wanted to get back here anyway. Like I, um, so it was like a two-hour presentation. And people had asked if I had time to get together. I just told them, I'll be at this place at this time for one hour. Feel free to meet me there. There's 20 people in this selfie, that one before I left, I had to hold my arm way out, I'm over on the side, it was like, everyone loved it, and they're getting value from each other, so you're just creating value. The other one, though, is like an influencer marketing play, which is, if you go up to speakers after they present and say, hey, would you mind making a short video with me, it'll only take you three minutes, by the way, like. Spoiler alert! Everybody loves to be interviewed. <laughs> Very rare to meet someone who does not want to be interviewed, in my experience. Mm-hmm. And so you just go ask them each the same. Maybe choose three questions, ask each person the same three questions, and afterwards you've got like five people. You both just networking, but afterwards you've got videos of these five different people each answering the same three questions. Cut them together. It just it just flows. It just makes a beautiful piece. Post that. It's a roundup afterwards. The event is likely to share it on their networks. Each person, you know, that's more ego bait.
3: Okay, you're um, now. You're gonna get really big hug. I'm gonna steal a little bit of your thunder on this one, Tacey, because that is a great way to end it and to segue into uh corey our videographer is here and if you would like to give a testimonial for insights marketing day we would love for you to do that he's ready to go so if you have a few minutes where it will find a quiet place and he'll uh we would love to do that and obviously tag you back and give you a nice positive back backlink so (laughs) that is really worth it but that that's like exactly the kind of really how do we go about implementing these kinds of things and not missing an opportunity as a brand but for you Personally, you know, uh, you know, if you don't own the company and someone sent you here, that's also them saying, "Oh, this was worth our time. This was worth our money. You actually got something out of this event." So it doesn't matter if you own the company or if you, you know, work for someone there. It is about building your own professional brand as well. So thanks for teeing me up for that one, Andy. I'm I know a perfect segue. <laughs> Get on camera.